0: The second reading this morning comes also from Matthew, but this time it's Matthew 10. And we'll start reading at verse 32 and read down to 39. And on some few Bibles it may be on 1018 page. Matthew 10, verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before men... I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, A man's enemies will be the member of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake we will find it. This is the second reading this morning.
1: Well friends, do keep your Bibles at that passage. We'll work our way through this passage and consider the words of Jesus for us this morning. But let's turn to him and ask him for his help. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did not remain silent, but you have revealed yourself and your ways to us in your Son, Jesus. And so we pray, Heavenly Father, that this morning you'll give us the big perspective on life, how we are to view you and how you see us. And we pray that this will be encouragement to us all. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our friends, what do you think is worth dying for? What would you be willing to die for? Take a moment just to think about that what would you be willing to die for? I'm sure we all have different thoughts and ideas on what is worth dying for. For some people, what's worth dying for is for country, for nation. We've got the honour roll here and just 11 days ago, we had Remembrance Day on the 11th of November to remember the sacrifices of those who went before us, laying down their lives for our nation and so lest we forget. Or for some people it might be for freedom. William Wallace, Scottish man. he is not Scottish but William Wallace, the original guy was, <laughs> the real guy was. But this is Mel Gibson in Braveheart. He died what? He died for freedom, for the freedom of his people. For some that is worth dying for. For others it might be dying for love. Jared Kintz is an author. In his book he writes this, I'm willing to die for the woman I love. I just want to take 75 years to do it. (laughs) And so people consider different things and, and consider dying for different things. We all have different thoughts and ideas. But of course when we come to think about this, I'm sure there are many things that we will not be willing to die for. I don't know about you, but I will not be willing to die for a plant or a tree or an animal, or my job, or for wealth, but some would. And so this morning, what about you? What do you think is worth dying for? You see, this is worth thinking about. It's worth thinking about. How do you know this guy? Yes, that's right, Martin Luther King Jr. He was a Christian man, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a Baptist minister, an activist, He was a leader in the African-American civil rights movement and he once said this. He once said, I submit to you that if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. Do you understand that? What do you think about that? If there is nothing worth dying for, then there's nothing worth living for. What do you think about his statement? Well, you see, what we'll read today in this passage is perhaps the most confronting words in all of Scripture, words that will challenge our deepest loves, words that will challenge all the things we hold dear, all the things we cling on to. Because in our passage today, Jesus says, I'm worth dying for. Jesus says, I'm worth dying for. And he makes this clear in this passage. He says, he's worthy of of our complete loyalty. He is worthy of our uttermost love. He is worthy of even our life. And so firstly, he speaks about being worthy of our loyalty, our complete allegiance, our acknowledgement of him before all men, before all people that we must not be ashamed of him. And in this passage he tells us why why he is worthy of our complete loyalty. And it is because he gives his loyalty to us, his allegiance to us, his acknowledgement of us when it really counts on the day of judgement. And so have a look in your Bibles, verse 32 and 33. This is what Jesus says, Whoever acknowledges me before men... I will also acknowledge him, acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. Now see what Jesus is saying here. You see, what Jesus is saying here is, he's actually turning the world upside down. Because what Jesus is in a sense saying is, what this world thinks about you does not ultimately matter. What your friends think about you does not ultimately matter. What those around you, who sit around you, what they think about you, their opinion of you, does not ultimately matter. It doesn't matter whether they think you're nice, or kind, or precious, or bad, or slow, or ugly. It doesn't matter. It does not ultimately matter. And what Jesus is also saying here, it doesn't actually matter what you think about yourself. Your opinion of yourself does not ultimately matter because what Jesus is saying in these verses is it is what I think of you that, what, that really matters. It's what I think of you that ultimately matters and I will be loyal to you. I will think well of you. I will give my allegiance to you. I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven when it really matters if you acknowledge me. You see, this is profound words. What we're seeing here, profound. What we're seeing here is we—it's countercultural. It turns our world upside down. You see, we live in a world where we are caught up, bogged down, trapped into seeking the approval of others. We do that all the time. I do that all the time. Pleasing others, wanting others all around us to think well of us, don't we? I mean, even as I stand up here, I shouldn't be thinking. Are you thinking well of me now? Do you think this sermon is going okay at the moment? Do you think I'm dressing okay this morning? Am I speaking well? You see, it can be crippling if we're always seeking the approval of others. It can be crushing. It can be paralyzing, being so concerned and stressed out about how others think of us. You see, it's an unending pursuit. that actually leads to nowhere if we, if we get caught up in this rut. How do you get out of this rut then? How do we get out? Well, you know what pop psychology says? Pop psychology says, well, don't worry about what others think. Just do your best. You know, be true to yourself. Think positively. Value yourself. Believe in yourself. Just follow your heart. Love yourself. That's what matters in life. I mean, that's what the Disney movies are made of. That's what Hollywood is made of. Now, these might sound helpful. They might sound like comforting words. As long as I believe in myself, so popular. As long as I believe in myself that that is all that matters. But you see, this passage tells us that's not true at all. It's not what we think of ourselves that really matters. You see, what really matters is what Jesus thinks of you. What really matters is the opinion of the King of the universe on you not what you think, because he is the one who really matters. You see, the m- opinion that matters most in the world is the opinion of the one who matters most. I'll say that again. The opinion that matters most is the opinion of the one who matters most. And so he's saying he, he is worthy of our loyalty. For if we acknowledge him, if I acknowledge him now on earth before men, he will acknowledge me when it matters most. But then in this passage Jesus says he's he's worthy of our loyalty but he's also worthy of our love, our complete, full, comprehensive love. And that's why when Jesus came, he came to bring division. He brought division. He divides even the closest of families. Look at what Jesus says, verse 34 now. Jesus says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Now, what a strange thing for Jesus to say. He is the Prince of Peace. But yet he says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, that's not how we normally think about Jesus, right? Wasn't the whole idea of of Jesus coming down to earth, that first Christmas, to bring peace? I mean, we sing about it, don't we? Peace on earth and mercy mole, peace on earth, goodwill to men. So, why did Jesus say that? We see Jesus says that because he's worthy of our complete love, our highest love. And so, what that means is that in reality and in practice, if Jesus really is my master, my king, my saviour, the king of this universe, the one I love most above all else, then what it means is that I, I must love Jesus above my family. And what it also means is that I must love Jesus above even myself. You see, Jesus says that to be worthy of him is to love him above our families. I mean, that's shocking, to love Jesus above our families. But why did Jesus put these words so strongly? They're so confronting. Any decent human being would and should love their families even as I reflect on my family, I love my family above many, many things. In fact, they're they're number one almost. I don't think there's anyone in my life at the moment that I love more than my family. And so even if I've been hurt by my family, by my wife, by my kids, over and over again, I would find it in myself to forgive them over and over again because I love them. They are family. And even if if it meant, and I'm sure this is true for you too, even if it meant laying down my life for them, taking the bullet for them, taking on a bear if a bear comes, or a tiger, I would do that for the sake of my family. I would not hesitate. And I'm sure you would do the same for your family. And you see, that's the whole point to what Jesus is getting at here. For the vast majority of people, there's nothing, no one we love more than our families. But then Jesus says to be worthy of Jesus means loving him more, even more than our families. And so Jesus says, verse 37, have a look. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now we need to understand that this does not mean If you're not getting along with your mother-in-law, you can't say, hey, I'm a Christian now, I don't have to love her, I love Jesus first. It's not permission for that. And it also does not mean, if I'm not getting along with my parents or my siblings, that this is an excuse for that. Hey, I'm a Christian, I don't have to love them, I love Jesus more. It's not saying that at all. What this verse is saying is not giving us permission to hate, to neglect our responsibilities, to our family or our neighbours, what it is saying is that we must love Jesus first, above everyone else, even family. And so for many, for many Christian families, this will mean division in the family. Now we have to understand how confronting these words were to the original hearers. I mean it's already confronting to us, isn't it? For Jesus to say to us, love Him more above our families. But it was so much more confronting to families of the Middle East. You see, this teaching to them was crazy. It's just out of this world. Would have been shocking for them to hear. Because nothing can come in between family, you see. Family ties of the Middle East, Middle Eastern families, are extremely strong. Were extremely strong and still today. Extremely strong, extremely tight. Now, tight family ties is actually quite similar in the Asian culture, Middle Eastern culture, Asian culture, quite similar. And so, for example, just so you get an idea of how how tight the family ties are in the Middle Eastern culture, in Asian culture, I'll give you an example from the Asian culture. You see, in the Asian culture, you never address people by name but by relationship, out of respect. In the Western world... (coughs) You're an individual and so you're addressed by your name. So, you're Bob, you're Jason, you're Tom, you're, you're, you're James. But you see, in the Eastern culture, you're not just an individual. You're part of a family unit. You're part of a community and so you're addressed by relationship. It's to show the tight family ties in these cultures. And so, for example, when my two younger brothers, if they want to talk to me respectfully, which they should, They don't address me as John, which they do. They should be calling me older brother or big brother. That is how they are to address me. I can call them by name because I'm older, but for them to address me respectfully, it is by our relationship, not by name. Or when we meet our aunties and uncles in our family gatherings, we don't call them by name as well. It's not like Auntie Michelle or or anything like that. We call them by our relationship. And so it's auntie or uncle, and often there's a ranking. So it's first auntie, second auntie, third auntie, and so forth. Even in our household. This, this is just to give you a, an idea of the, the, the close family ties in these cultures. Even in my own household at home, Yvonne, I don't call her Yvonne unless she's in trouble, or unless I want to get in trouble. She is addressed as The wife. The wife because that is our relationship. In fact, literally, I think the Chinese word is old woman, but anyway, that's (laughs) the wife. But you see, societies with tight social units, for Jesus to say anything like this in this passage to that culture, to our culture, was and is hugely offensive. And so you can understand why Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For families that are so tightly knit, where the gospel penetrates such families, when Christians in such families love Christ above their families, then it creates tension and friction and division. And so, if a family their aim, their goals as a family is about money and wealth and prosperity. When someone becomes a Christian in that family, that has to change and so it creates division. Or when a family is on about honour and respect and face, when someone in that family becomes a Christian, well that has to change and that creates division. Or if a family is on about success, well, that must change when someone becomes a Christian and that creates division. Or if the family is on about other religions, other gods, well, when someone becomes a Christian in that family, well, that must change as well and that creates division. And that's why we hear so many stories, sad stories, often in Islamic families where a member becomes a Christian. You hear these tragic stories, terrible stories, They're often disowned by their family. They're they're considered as dead to their family. And so in a publication, Voice of the Martyrs, last year, a 10-year-old girl in Bahrain told her mother and her uncle that she believes in Jesus. This is a a, a Muslim family. What did they do? Well, they beat that 10-year-old girl. Another report from this year, a Tanzanian man, he became a Christian, was baptized in May this year. He left to live with his Christian friend when his family threatened to hurt him, to harm him. Several months later, in September, he, he went home to get his clothes, but once he was there, his three brothers were there waiting, and they attacked him with a knife. And that happens. It is sad. It is tragic to hear. But you see, this girl and that man, they got their priorities right. They are considered worthy by Jesus because they love Jesus more. Now, to be worthy of Jesus is not only to love him above our families, but it's also to love Jesus above even ourselves. I mean, this is what Jesus gets on to next. And of course, as we think about this and our society and what we've been fed and taught, this is so foreign to love someone else above even ourselves. We're not taught to think this way. I mean, in the New York Times best-selling book, Peter McWilliams, he said this, who is more qualified to love you than you? Or this, in psychology today, I love, uh, love yourself first, by Lucille Bohr, in fact, love yourself first and everything else falls into line. You really have to love yourself to get anything done in this world. Now, what do you think Jesus would think about that statement? I mean, talk about being selfish, right? What would Jesus say? Well, Jesus in a sense says the total opposite. Love me first. And everything else in your life will fall into line. You see, Jesus goes on to say, you have to deny yourself, deny your self-interest, deny your life for him, to be worthy of him. And so, in verse 38 now, have a look. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now, it's worth us now trying to get this image into our heads. What does it mean to take up our cross? What does that look like? We see in the Roman world, those who took up their cross were not taking up their suitcases and going on a cruise around the world on their holidays. That was not what taking up the cross meant. Those who took up their cross were not taking up their speedos and going to the beach for a swim. Those who took up their cross were not taking up a diamond encrusted cross on a thick gold chain that weighs down their neck? You say no. Those who took up their cross were on the way to their crucifixion. Carrying the crossbeam and paraded down the city streets, that marked the end of any self-interest. It marked the end of any hope. It marked the end of life. You see, when you're on the path to the crucifixion, There's no time to be planning, to be plotting new adventures in life. There's no time even to love yourself. But that was what Jesus was on about for his disciples. To be willing to carry the cross and to follow me, to love me above even yourselves. And so Jesus is making blunt statements here. Jesus is worthy of our love, a love that must be beyond, above our families and a love that must be above even ourselves. But of course, when we think about this, it's just all too confronting. But we must ask why? He's made his statement, he's made his claim, he's given us his command. We must ask why, why would anyone in their right mind do such a thing? Why would anyone love Jesus more than their families? Why would anyone love Jesus more than themselves. Well, you see, what we need to do here is a bit of accounting. We have to count the cost, don't we? Let's weigh up the cost. Let's do some accounting. Because what do you get when you count the costs? On the one hand, to follow Jesus, it is costly. There is no hidden fine print with Jesus. He says quite clearly, you want to follow me, then carry your cross. And so it means then, that I must devote my whole being to following Jesus, to loving him, to doing his cause. I must love him. I must make sacrifices. I must be willing to be persecuted for his sake and I must also be willing to die for his sake. I mean, that's a huge cost. When we count the cost, that is a huge cost. That is my life we're talking about. And of course we know many, many, many Christians have paid that price. Even as I speak, there are Christians around the world paying that price. But you see, if we count the cost, the cost goes both ways. It is costly for us to follow Jesus, but the cost goes both ways. Because on the other hand, it is even more costly to not follow him. Because what's that cost if you do not follow Jesus? Well, Jesus tells us, you will lose everything. You will lose it all. You'll lose your life, finding your life. Look at verse 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, this verse is not saying, go kill yourself and claim I just died for Jesus Well, that will be silly, that will be a waste of life. But what Jesus is saying is this, use your life, exhaust your life, expend your life for the sake of Christ and his gospel, even to the point of death. He is the only one worth living and dying for. And when we do, do you notice his promise in that verse? We find ourselves. We find our true worth in God's eyes. We find our identity in Christ. We find our value and we find life. When we lose our life for him, we find life and we gain a life that extends beyond the grave. You see, when I lose my life for the Lord Jesus Christ, I lose nothing at all. When I lose my life for the Lord Jesus Christ, I lose nothing at all and I've got nothing to lose. Because do you notice there what Jesus did for us? Who goes first in carrying the cross in that verse? Let's have a look again, verse 38. Anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now, do you notice that? Something subtle there. Jesus is not getting us to go out on the front line carrying the cross and he's staying safe behind. He goes before us. We are to follow the one who first carried his cross, the one who has gone ahead of us to the front line, the one who, who gave his life and died. And who did he die for? That's right. He died for you and for me. He went first carrying the cross. He went first for us. You see, the flip side of this is Jesus is saying he's worthy of our, of our love, of our loyalty, of even our life. But you see, Jesus is saying something so profound, so extraordinary here. Jesus counted you. Worthy of his loyalty. Jesus counted you worthy of his love. Jesus counted you worthy of his love. He died for you. He carried his cross for you. And you see, when you do come to understand this, when you understand this call, you see why Jesus is worthy of our all. He's worthy of everything. I mean, just think about that to think that the king of the universe considered me worthy to die for. That's mind-blowing and that should be earth-shattering. The son of God considered me, considered you worthy enough to lay down his life, to hang on the cross and to bleed for you. I mean, this is something so profound and extraordinary. We cannot hold it to ourselves. This past week, I wanted my own kids, Esther, Caleb and Ethan, to understand how much they are worth in the eyes of God. And so driving to, the, to school one morning, I asked them, do you know how much you're worth, kids? How much are you worth? Now, they didn't understand me at first and I said, how much are you worth? How much do you think your life is worth? And then in their innocence, they said, lots and lots. <laughs> I said, well, that's right. You are worth lots and lots how do you know you're worth lots and lots? Esther, the oldest and expected from her, she said, because Jesus died for us. That's how much you're worth. And she was right. You mean the world to God. You mean the world to God that he will send his son for you. That is how much you are worth to him. You see, there is no one in this world, there is no one in this universe who loves you more than God in Christ. You see, nothing speaks more of our worth, of your worth, of my worth, than the cross of Christ. Jesus Jesus considered us worthy enough to die for. I mean, just think about that. Understand that and let that saturate our lives, our thinking, our behaviour, day in, day out. I mean, I don't think there is a better way, more comforting way, more peaceful way to get through life than knowing that, to get through the problems of life, the trials of life, the hardship of life, the pain, the heartaches, the loneliness, the hurt, the depression, the agony of life. These will come our way if they haven't yet. They will come our way. But what is better than to know this? Jesus considered you worthy enough to die for. So even as I'm struggling through life, even if I'm struggling through some pain, some illness, some hardship, some relationship breakdown. This means the world because I mean the world to God. And so if Jesus considered you worthy enough to die for, you're worth dying for in the eyes of God. What then is Jesus worth to you? How much is Jesus worth to you? I mean, if you truly understand this, how can I not willingly, joyfully, completely offer my complete loyalty to Him, my highest love to Him, my whole life to Him? How can I continue with my life, clinging onto these temporary pleasures of life, the fleeting treasures of life? What is Jesus worth to you? Just my once a week Sunday service and that's it, that's all he's worth. Just my lip service once in a while and that's all he's worth. Just my tithing even and, and I've done my duty and that's all he's worth. Just the dregs of my life, of my energy, of my weekend. that's all he's worth. I mean, that should be challenging, that should be confronting. You see, Jesus wants your heart He wants your life and that's because he wants what's best for you and that is to live and die for him. Now, every once in a while I get thoroughly encouraged when I hear of how people put this into practice. They know how worthy they are in God's eyes and so they see Jesus of immense greatest worth. I've got a friend who I studied aerospace engineering with. He's now a husband, he's about a year older than I am, a father of two, working man, working hard, needing to raise a family. But for this man, he wanted to put this into practice in his life. Instead of working the normal five days a week, which we work as normal employees, he chose to work four days a week, get paid less, 20% less. Why? so that on his day off he could commit to serving his local church in discipleship, in evangelism. I mean, he's got a loan, he's got a mortgage, but he decided that because Jesus is worth more. I've got another friend who I went to Bible college with. He did medicine, became a doctor for only a short few years, became a Christian from a non-Christian family. He chose to leave his job, his medicine, with great opposition from his parents to be trained in the ministry, to go to Bible college, now he's serving as a minister of the gospel. Loving God more, loving Christ more creates division. He understands this but he sees the worth of Jesus. One of my previous ministers, he was a lawyer and he was the son of a wealthy billionaire businessman and for the plan was for him to take over the business to become literally a millionaire. But for him... He knew how much he was worth in God's eyes. He saw Jesus as worthy of everything and so he gave that up. did not go into his father's business. Now he's serving the Lord with his whole life as a minister in a small church. And we have people like that in our own church as well, don't we? We do have people like that who know this, who put this into practice. Now I'm always encouraged when I hear of our retired members here who choose not to just simply enjoy the luxuries of life, that this is how I will go. But they become prayer warriors. They give generously. They serve fervently in the course of the gospel. I mean, isn't that encouraging? And so what would it look like for you? What is Jesus worth to you? Martin Luther King, he was a man who knew this. He knew this well. But on the 4th of April in 1968, he was assassinated. But all he wanted to do in life was, in his own words, I just want to do God's will. He just wanted to do God's will. He lived and he died for Christ. And though he died tragically, he lived with that great confidence. He did not disown the Lord Jesus. And so he lived with that confidence that Jesus would never disown him before his Father in heaven. One of his favourite hymns, which, which was sang at his funeral, expresses this well. Was this hymn? Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, help me stand. I am tired, I am weak. I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the night. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. And so today, are you worthy of Jesus? Well, yes, you are. The Gospel tells us so. He laid down his life for you. But the question I want to leave you with is, is Jesus worthy to you? What is Jesus worth to you? He should be our whole life. He should be and he must be. Let's join in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, it is mind-boggling to understand what you would do in your Son for our sake. And so help us to see, grip our hearts by your Gospel that your Son, Jesus Christ, would hang on the cross and would bleed for us. And so help us to not waste our lives away. Living for ourselves, even for our family, but live for Christ is worth so much more. Help us to see that, know that, understand it and to live it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.